0: What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross-like music. And this is The Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions
1: of a mind. <laughs> Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Brown twisted song with cf smith you're listening to the blue and green podcast and i hope you enjoy what we are going to say blueandgreenradio.com welcome friends you're listening to episode 25 of the blue in green podcast my name's Imran. thank you very much for your company i'm very excited about the show today before we get into it A quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, which is the online internet radio station which um, is based in London, but we are incredibly fortunate enough to host shows from across the world, including Australia, the US, London, Japan, and uh, each of us uh, with a singular goal of celebrating uh, the best in contemporary, soul, jazz, funk, Latin, hip-hop, etc. So um, we very much hope, if you've never tuned in, we hope you will do so. Visit us at www.blueingreenradio.com and uh, fairly confident you'll enjoy what you hear. Fairly confident. Not 100%, but fairly confident. <laughs> um, back to today's podcast episode. Uh, we have... Uh, oh, it gives me the just the greatest pleasure in the world to be able to Announced as our featured guest, Pete Cunningham of the amazing Ishmael Ensemble. They've uh, released their debut full-length album called *A State of Flow*, which was released in May 2019. It's uh, a stunning record. We uh, just head over heels for it. It is this beautiful uh, amalgamation of styles and um, and genres, and it's it's an absolute pleasure. to to listen to and it's just it was great to be able to sit down with Pete uh, and uh, kind of discuss everything that goes into the project everything that goes into how they make music they have a a wonderful uh, catalogue of remixes there's an EP which came out uh, a couple years ago as well. So there's there's loads to talk about. So uh, it's it was an absolute pleasure. So uh, my uh, eternal thanks to him and uh, my eternal praise, our eternal praise for their, their stunning music. So, um, yeah, hugely appreciative that we were able to share some time with him. And I'm confident you guys are going to love this episode. Uh, so um, regular listeners of the podcast will know there are two songs played uh, on each show our guest in this case Pete uh, will pick our closing number but I have the luxury of picking the opening one and I'm gonna pick uh, a track from the album that we actually do discuss this is called full circle and it features vocals from their friend and collaborator Holisus Fly it's brilliant stunning tune uh, there's so many you could have picked uh, but I'm gonna go with full circle because I really 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 love it uh, so thanks so much uh, for giving. Uh, for lending us your ears over the next hour, I hope very much you enjoy the show. Uh, please visit us at www.blueingreenradio.com. Thanks very much, friends. See best place to start is for me to say congratulations on the release of a state of flow you must be thrilled with how that project's been received so far
0: yeah completely quite blown away really in that you know we made it very much at home and very diy you know press the records ourselves put it on Bandcamp, and yeah yeah it's been been received better than we ever imagined so um yeah, yeah, really, really happy with the results there.
1: How long has the whole thing taken to to put together?
0: Um, it's always a bit of a mishmash of ideas over the years, really. <laughs> you know, so there's certain tracks that, I guess, are two or three years old, and then, you know, they kind of resurface. Of you're scrolling through older projects to see if there's any inspiration there, and then something comes up, so... Yeah, the track "Full Circle" has kind of been in the works for, I think, three and a half years or something, and then, and then there's other ones that just sort of came very naturally towards the end of the process. And yeah, yeah, kind of all over the place, really. But um
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I guess using "Full Circle" as the kind of example, I mean, I'm get—I I would imagine a state of flow is kind of the the culmination of the the seven songs. Uh, series where which one of them features a version of full circle with that with no vocals for starters so i guess that is a song that's been workshop for quite a long time
0: yeah definitely and it weirdly started as a kind of vocal idea and then never really pursued that and then yeah kind of um really enjoyed it as an instrumental and yeah yeah i think um for me that that Really, sort of encapsulates our, our sound of of what I I feel is our sound anyway of that kind of crossover mm. with electronic music and and I was always kind of like that with old you know drum and bass and stuff that be various versions of of the same um, tune and you know vocal kind of
1: mm. yeah was was a state of flow kind of that when you started the sort of the seven song series was was the sort of the the final album. Was that in sight, or is it just let's just let's just put out some songs that we're we're sort of working on, and then it just sort of came to a state of flow as a result, or was that something that was the end goal from when you started releasing the the two track EPs?
0: Yeah, I mean, we hadn't really thought of doing an album, and <laughs> kind of yeah, we just put put out the sevens just because it was sort of a fun way of presenting the music, you know, that was always our intention of just, oh, how can we do something more than just like putting out another EP on another label and yeah, I was kind of stuck in that in that thing of it felt like the labels, you know, I'd been working with on the more dancey stuff anyway, it was very much within our ability to set that up for ourselves and then, you know, you kind of have total creative control. I think I don't think we'd have been able to approach any label and say, Oh yeah, we've got this idea of releasing three, seven inches of <laughs> you know they're not necessarily a, a, a traditional release schedule or anything. Um mm-hmm. yeah, we, we kind of went with that and then it got to a point where um our friend Mike, who's kind of helped behind the scenes over the years and just like, Look, you know, you've made six tunes now, why don't you you know? fill in the gap to make, make it an album. and uh, Yeah, we kind of did the thing of... We wanted every seven inch to have an exclusive track on it and then, you know, one of those tracks would go onto the album. So so there's still a kind of right. level of... From a collector's perspective, there's, there's something unique about every one of the records instead of just putting all six tracks together, you know. Just throwing them all. Yeah. T- yeah.
1: yeah, it was funny because I was, I, was I was almost surprised, I thought, that when the state of flow was announced as your debut album, I was almost surprised that it was your debut. I think with, you had songs for Knotty, uh the EP, which preceded that by a couple of years. And then obviously the seven songs stuff. I've, I was surprised that a state of flow was actually the debut. I thought that, you know, that there were records before that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've done, so I, I used to release, you know, dance music solo as just Ishmael. Um, so I did do an, uh, an Ishmael album, Kind of, it's like five years ago now or something. I can't really remember, but yeah, um, as a as a project, as a band, yeah, we we were kind of. I don't know. It's really hard to to gain a perspective on on the outside world because in our heads, you know, we've been doing <laughs> it for three years now, and yeah, to us it feels like we've made ten albums or whatever. But you know, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> Funny, you know, you get this overwhelming thing of oh, you know, why haven't got many gigs or, or much to talk about? You feel so busy, and, and then you kind of look on on Spotify, and you've got three songs in the world. And then it's like, oh, right, yeah, actually, <laughs> we've all been playing music <laughs> so long together that it, you know it feels like this continuous journey that. Surely everyone's heard every single rehearsal and every studio session. You can't know, <laughs> remind yourself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If we haven't done an album. Maybe we should. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you um from the I wanted to ask about the collaborators that you had as well. You got some great uh, musicians and vocalists, uh, including Helisa uh, Fly, who does a great job on Full Circle. Uh, what what was your kind of relationship with her and her input into the album and stuff? Yeah,
0: certainly is kind of been around since the beginning of the ensemble project, so she featured on a track called Bembe on songs song for Knotty. Um Yeah. Yeah, I met her at the Bristol Jazz and Blues Festival. Um, she was singing with her group Feel Good Experiment, and actually she was a big, yeah, step into the kind of Bristol new jazz scene for me, you know, I, I've been doing... The more dancey stuff and always played saxophone on the side but never sort of combined the two of my music worlds um, and she's a few years younger so she's 25 and um yeah sort of introduced me to this whole younger gang of musicians in Bristol doing their thing and yeah she's sort of been a massive part of it since the beginning and, and as I said I think That's cool. the initial full circle tune we were working on around the same time as songs for nothing so you know it's kind of a funny goes back <sighs> to that thing when i had you know released all this music and then sometimes it takes three years to come out sometimes it comes out next week you know <laughs> you kind of mm. don't focus too much on on what's out in the public really but yeah so we, we've been working together for years and i think she's an incredible artist and musician so she did the sleeve artwork as well so um yeah she's very. Oh, right, yeah she's part of 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 the ensemble and, and the wider Bristol community.
1: So, oh, that's excellent. um It's really interesting what you say about how you kind of have to think about what the public have access to, as opposed to what you're doing. It's kind of a cool approach to music where you're just let's just let's make music, and then you don't you're not thinking about it as a as a business or putting your, yourself out there. You're just you're making music because you want to make music. That's a pretty cool approach.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's. I've always wanted to be in this. It's almost like an imaginary band, you know. It's like, yeah, there's a live setup, but it's, you know, I've done the band thing of it being five or six of you, and it's only ever you, and it's only ever you bouncing ideas off each other. But the Ishmael Ensemble was a real opportunity to celebrate all these different musicians and, and collaborations without. It needing to be a defined thing, you know. There's always this weird tension, I think, when you when you get too far ahead of yourselves. And on the first day of jamming, you're already thinking like, "Oh, this is a band. Okay, right now we need to make music exclusively together." Or you know, whereas for this project, it, I guess it's me as as the kind of linchpin between all these different um, musicians, and and that's exciting for me to be able to to just get someone on the track and, and not really have to think about a commitment to oh that needs to be a new band with a new name or anything. It, yeah, it's always this imaginary mm. band idea that I, I really, really like the idea of. And and yeah, I mean obviously live there's there's the four of us as the main main band who are always there and then Holly as and when she can join us things and um and then that that almost breeds a whole new sound in, in the live aspect because, you know, by the time we're hitting the stage, it's all fresh and exciting. Whereas if you're a band that traditionally, I guess, get together, rehearse, then record over the course of a year, by the time you're actually doing a gig, you're almost bored of those songs, you know? Whereas for us, <laughs> yes, adapting them to the live stage is, is the next phase and that, that's that's really exciting. Um, And now I'm in the frustrating stage of being back to the the drawing board, you know, kind of start the album, um, getting all these different people involved. And then we've been basically, yeah, touring the album for the last, I guess, eight, nine months, developing all the tracks. And you get to this point of just wanting to play the same songs over and over again and find these new little nuanced sounds and, get Really excited by it, and I feel we're at our most confident live, and all the songs are sounding amazing. And then I go back to the studio and stare at this blank screen and think, How on earth did I make anything? I always thought it- it's quite an overwhelming <laughs> feeling of, Oh, god, you yeah. know, well, where do I begin? Because in the live aspect, these, these songs have been around for three years, so you don't think about that initial spark or how you wrote it <laughs> so yeah i mean an interesting period now for for what's next
1: that's really fascinating i i never considered that as a, a as an artist i, I mean I, I i had a conversation with someone recently who had just put out an album earlier this year and, and they had talked about post album blues and they had been warned about that this sort of come down after you've ridden this wave of releases and you've done the live thing and then it's over. And it's like you say, that blank blank screen or blank sheet of paper. And you have to consider what next. I'd I'd never consider that. I I think I always thought, I, I think particularly for an artist like yourself that you'd, that those ideas maybe wouldn't have stopped or that once you were performing them live, you would say, Oh, we could have done this for this song. We can take that element and start and create something new as a result of that. Does, does that make sense? I, I figured the creation would have just kept going.
0: Yeah, I guess it's different for us in that it's predominantly me at the early stages of just throwing ideas together. Um mm. And yeah, I think what we love about our process is that you know we're always trying to um, make the live version of a song better than the recorded version. You know, that's like our main goal is like how how can we expand on this you know idea that this song's putting across, and so you get so stuck into that that you kind of you know we're not we're not like rehearsing every week in the way other bands would so we don't really have that jam time as it were um yeah the jamming right. I guess, is more between me getting back in the studio and working out who I want to collaborate with or or, or what I want to work on um yeah i think i think for us the, the development is more about developing the tunes themselves cuz for us it's it's almost like Remixing or covering, you know, a song because predominantly the tracks are full of noises that we don't have access to, or don't—not that we don't have access to, but you know, we we're all sort of electronic music lovers, and I think have spent most of our lives as gig goers and, and fans, generally feeling quite disappointed by live electronic music shows if i'm honest you know um there's too many kind of plug and play ableton kind of sets that just don't you know they're basically playing the album track with a vocalist singing on top or whatever or not expanding on the ideas whereas for us i love the idea of things being able to go wrong and that having that fragility and that, that tension and you know, there will be a synth line of something on on one of the tracks that I'm not going to bring this synth just for that one note on that one song. So Mullins, the guitarist, will try and replicate it with his array of pedals or, you know, there's there's always a way of finding how we can recreate those sounds and that's the exciting process for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you... I mean, something I was probably going to ask this one a little later on, but you any kind of review um, or article about Ishmael Ensemble about the music that you guys make? There's, there's always the you know, usually the first thing is, as you say, this this real sort of amalgamation of styles. You know, I think you're primarily categorised as a jazz band, but like you say, that there's a genuine affection and love of electronic music, which really permeates through your through the music you make is there was there ever a point where you kind of thought is 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 this music really going to find its audience did you think that did you ever have advice where you should just pick a style or anything like that always were you always just like this is what we do and if people like it they like it if they don't they don't or was there any confidence that it would find find a, an appropriate audience
0: yeah I think You know, I feel what I love and hate about the group is it's got this, yeah, indefinable sound of, I always think it's all sort of time and place with the media. You know, had we been around 20 years ago, we would have probably been called a trip-hop or post-rock group or, you know, had it been 10 years ago, it would have been, you know, electronic kind of, I don't know, alternative electronic or you know now it is it is, I guess jazz but I think we're determined to move away from anything too specific you know like yes it's Hmm. you know there's always this there's obviously an amazing jazz thing going on and that's wicked but the way as I say like our process couldn't be further from the process that, you know, some of those jazz groups are writing in, you know. So I feel if that's, uh, yeah, I, I, I struggle to find an association with any particular genre because, uh, yeah, I always kind of feel that's a bit too pigeonholy. And, yeah, I, I, I really, really struggle to define mm-hmm. what what we are. But um, I don't know. I, I also really enjoy the idea of the being this interest in, in jazz and maybe jazz just means this, yeah. Writing music with no real, um, how can I say this? Yeah. Writing music with no, no defining kind of uh, <laughs> like parameters.
1: Yeah. No, no, I completely understand what you mean. Like, like in terms of the fact it's so free flowing and indefinable, then that maybe that's where the jazz tag has come from because that's you know ultimately yeah. jazz is is often thought of as this kind of this freedom of music you create the music you want to make and it invariably gets that that jazz tag.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, and and I do agree with that. You know, I I feel for us the main thing we associate with a jazz kind of philosophy is exactly that of does these. Bare bones of a tune, and live, we can take it any way we want, and really, yeah, play play to our emotions on that day, and and sort of strive to, you know, strip away any sort of ego or any kind of mm. um, preconceived sort of ideas of what how the song is going to feel that day. um So yeah, in terms of the way we perform, I definitely yeah. associated with that jazz thing because we're, we're yeah we're, we're we've got the bare bones of these songs and we're going to play them within these parameters we've got an a section and a b section but what happens in between we're giving ourselves up to to see see what happens and i think that comes with the kind of trust between the musicians as well you know so we have we've been playing music together you know, for years in different bands. And I think there's a level of, yeah, mm. trust that you really have to have in each other to, there's never a moment where we're looking at each other like, oh, okay. you know, he's freaking out over there, like, how are we going to bring this back? You know, <laughs> we, all, we all believe in each other that we, we can we can nail that when we need to and, and it's going to be all right. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you kind of feel like, so in the same way, when you start, you kind of, you do what's, you create the music that's true to you do you kind of now feel potentially like seeing as as your sound is so embraced now and in a wonderful way do you kind of feel like so if you were to start on the next project do you feel like you need to maintain that air of almost ambiguity to an extent in terms of your genre like if you made something that was straight electronic would you kind of think oh no hang on We've, we've gone too far in one definable direction. People won't respond. Do you feel the need to sort of maintain this, this sort of eclecticism and dynamicism of your music? Yeah,
0: it's weird. I think when we did Songs for Naughty, what I loved about that is every track was quite different, even though there was a sort of constant mood, but it felt quite um, a relief that there wasn't such a pinpoint defined sound on there that we could sort of take the project any way we wanted and my idea was that surely then we'd start to play live and then we'd work out what our defining thing was and then the next record would be a lot more concise but I kind of feel listening back to a state of flow we've sort of done that again and maybe even more to an extreme that we could almost take it anywhere we wanted to next and I think that's quite exciting for us. You know, I feel yeah, there's there's core elements like I guess I have a a tone to the way I produce music and, and there's a there's a constant mood, but yeah, it's less defined by instrumentation or, or genre or anything like that. And um so yeah, no doubt the next record we'll make will cool equally be open-ended and could go any way we want um but i'm definitely interested to to explore the kind of electronic side more in depth i think because it's really fun to play live and you know i really feel as i said earlier you know that's that's really exciting for us as fans of music to to work out how it's more of a challenge to work out how you you can Mm play electronic music live well because I think that is a lot harder than going on stage and, and playing a instrumental tune or whatever and just kind of jamming it out a bit. You know, there's I love the, the textural layering. of. There's always a part in our set where there's all these noises going on and I always love the idea of, of the sound engineer almost not being able to work out what... <laughs> Instruments making that particular noise you know the guitar sounds like a synth
1: yeah
0: synth sounds like a guitar or the sax sounds like a guitar or you know this whole idea of really being like one one organism and and yeah really really exploring the capabilities of each instrument and and yeah I guess that comes back to a, a jazz kind of thing of, of yeah trying to push the limits of, of your own ability and surprise yourself. I think maybe, you know, trusting yourself to, to just mm. go, go with it. And, you know, that, as I said, the live show develops, that's how it develops is happy accidents on stage and being having enough faith in each other that you can push it if you want to. And sometimes pushing it sounds terrible. <laughs> and you think, right, I know not to do that next time, but sometimes it sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, next time right, I'll do that. And then inevitably next time you change it, it's never as magic as the first time you did it or, or whatever. Um but yeah, yeah, I think the main thing for us that we want to do is is really explore that that electronic world and yeah, I think try and not sound like a guitar, a keyboard, a drum kit and a saxophone. That's I
1: yeah. Wanna... Yeah, I'm sort of genuinely fascinated by it. Kind of everything you guys do, and i the, the concept of being a live band as well. So you listen to a song like Lapwing, on obviously from State of Flow, and you think, oh my gosh, like live as a band, I can't even conceive how you would how a song like that would 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 come across, how it would you know how it, how it would come across to a live audience. That's you know, it sounds like an entirely obviously studio built a uh, uh, studio-developed track and the idea that there's a band behind a song like that is, yeah, fascinating.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great tune to kind of associate with this, this idea of not wanting to just press play on Ableton because you yeah. know, that, that tune particularly, there's this really emotive kind of lead keyboard line that, that flows throughout it. So immediately when we started rehearsing, that was the first thing to go because it's like I would feel so (laughs) guilty or or embarrassed if the the crux of the track was me just triggering a sample of, you know, some keys that i would chopped up. Like, that goes against everything we're trying to do. So... Mm. You know, live I kind of play. I've got this little Yamaha keyboard with. that's amazing. It's these Reface series of, of Yamaha keyboards. It's like a little mini electronic piano. It's got this inbuilt tape delay that makes these kind of warbling sound. So yeah, I basically play that live. I don't play any saxophone on that tune. So I'm I'm pretty much strapped to this keyboard and. Mm-hmm. playing yeah the the basis of of those chords but how i'd play them on this little keyboard not like trying to emulate the exact sound of of the record and yeah equally the drums are you know going to be completely different but we still managed to somehow keep the tone and the mood even though basically every instrument is completely different to the to the record and people still Come up and say, "Oh, lapwing was amazing!" you yes. <laughs> know. and people know what tune it is. Like that's great. I think that we, that is great. Yeah, we achieved what we want to do. And yeah, as I say, like I've been there. I've done the kind of solo live show of. You almost fool yourself into thinking. Well, obviously that needs to be in there because that's the like main part of the song. It's not that song if it doesn't have that exact sample. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, yeah, trying to think of it more viscerally, of a mood and tone of a song.
1: Yeah. Another extension of your um, your kind of your music outside of the, uh, your 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 releases have obviously been the the level of remixes which have been a you've been attached to, including Carl Craig's, which is probably your breakout remix. That's the, that garnered so much attention and praise. Uh, the Carl Craig remix of the melody. There's the Chip Wickham Snake Eyes track. And then the, these. there's the Yama Warashi uh, Parallelogram remix, who she obviously appears on the album uh, as well. What's your kind of approach to remixes? Is there, you know, something that you hear that you're thinking, yes, I'd love to get my hands on a song like this and rework it? Or how, how, does, how do the remixes come about for you guys?
0: It's kind of, it's a really refreshing process because... Yeah, uh, you know the way the way we work as the group is. I'll record a whole ton of sessions. You know, we'll just I'll go to Mullins, a guitarist's house, and record a load of guitar, record a load of drums, and you know, it's never really working on tunes. It's more me building our own sample pack to then, yeah, to then to then build tunes from, Um and remixing is really refreshing because you kind of receive all this texture and, and chords and, you know, all these parts of a tune that you kind of don't have any association with and then and then really get to play with it. I always try and not yeah, not listen to the original. I feel that's comes back to that thing of like you get attached to the defining feature and thinking, oh well this is the chorus yeah. so that has to be in there obviously. Um I think the Carl Craig thing was was really exciting. That was the first kind of remix I'd done in a ensemble kind of way with, it was basically morphing, you know, the, the recordings I'd made with our our guys and combining them, it, it kind of feels very similar to the collaboration process of the way we work anyway. Um But yeah, just with that extra influence of having a whole new sound palette to, to play with. Um, yeah, I, I still think it's a really fun way to work and i think for a while i was against doing remixes for for some reason i, I, I don't really know why but um yeah i really, <laughs> really started enjoying it again and i think it comes back to that thing of detaching yourself from the original and, and not feeling you need to deliver something you know and yeah i've done a few that the people haven't been happy with and in a way, that makes me happy as well, because I feel I've done something I wanted to do, you
1: know. No, that's excellent. Yeah, definitely look forward to more. So, yeah, it's very cool. Um, I In my research, uh, in looking up everything uh, Pete Cunningham, everything Ishmael, I, I encountered, uh, uh, I, I guess, an older, probably now defunct project by the White City Shakers, <laughs> which blew my mind. Which I, I just kept playing it back. I saw it on YouTube, and I was like, "Well, that's him." And it's got Stephen Mullins. It's got Jake Spurgeon. I don't understand. Oh. This is as far from Ishmael Ensemble as as it could be. But it was excellent. So this is oh. like a. I, I can't set this up too much, but it's a. It's like a blues root, um, bluegrass. Is that fair to say? A bluegrass yeah. kind of bluesy uh, project you guys had back in like twenty fourteen. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, that's another world of, of music, I guess, that I was always into. You know, I was, grew up in a small town with with Jake and, and Steve. They, you know, we went to school together and they basically played in every genre band under the sun. So we originally were in a sort of dub reggae band. And, and I was used to DJ at, at these nights um, in our now closed hometown bar called The Wonder Bar. Um, yeah, there's a couple of older guys in the town that used to, you know, put these kind of scar and R&B and like boogie woogie nights on. Yeah, I always used to really love, love that sound and, um, actually went to Canada for a couple of years, I guess around that time, like 2011, 2012, I think, um, and basically just ended up playing saxophone in these kind of bluesy party bands, basically. So I was in a ski resort and,
1: mm.
0: you know, instead of working full time, I kind of did a bit of working in restaurants and stuff, but didn't really want to, <laughs> I wanted to enjoy myself. So, yeah, I started playing saxophone <laughs> in this group and, and kind of out of nowhere started singing it's such a weird memory. So there was, there was this gang in in the town, Whistler in in BC, called the Troutsmen, and they were like this kind of fraternity of old ski bums and, and guys. And they always used to do these these charity events, a uh, cheeseburger picnic, kind of inspired by Trailer Park Boys, and you know they'd always raise money for the community. And then there was this this night called the Troutsmen's Ball, which was. On Valentine's night, yeah, probably 2011. Um, and Biggins, who led the band, kind of said, Oh, Pete, you know, you should definitely get up and sing a few. And I'd, I'd never really considered singing outside of, you know, the bedroom. And yeah, I got up and sang a couple of like Ray Charles tunes and old traditional standards. So yeah, by the time I came home I kind of had become this sort of front man of a, of a band and and I think it took everyone, to work, you know, all these old mates I'd always basically just played sax in these kind of dub bands and then come back with a guitar singing yeah, kind of R&B and, and old swing tunes um, and it was just a lot of fun really you know, we, it kind of marks the end of an era for this this small town I grew up in, Midsummer autumn, which is it's like twelve miles south of Bristol. Um, and yeah, we used to do these these nights in in the local pubs and bars, and and just sort of have a lot of fun singing these old traditional tunes. And um, yeah, we ended up it got a bit ridiculous, really, you know. Ended up like playing at Glastonbury and Boomtown and all these festivals. Wow. And then it kind of got to a point where we are like, this is as far away from the original intention that we could imagine. So <laughs> it kind of slowly expanded. Because, you know, for us, it started, we, we were basically just going to pubs, playing for beers, unamplified. So we didn't, it was all acoustic in the corner of the pub, stomping our feet on the ground. And it was kind of never meant to be anything more than that. And I think when it started to get, Anything more than that, we all felt a bit—I don't know—detached from it, I guess. Um, and yeah, it, it's kind of funny. That it's a great thing to the boast. Ishmael thing was like always running in parallel with this, and yeah, not many people know about that that world. So uh, good digging, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> it's a great thing to boast. I, I certainly—I reckon we found your next Ishmael Ensemble remix, yeah, by yeah. the way.
0: <laughs> the, the where, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you do you Straight reckon into. you'll
1: ever you'll ever yeah <laughs> do you reckon you'll ever uh sing again like uh, in Nishman ensemble uh tracks or anything like that
0: i was thinking that like there's a tune solace on uh something that mm. my friend chris and i sing on so i kind of sing the chorus part of that i guess so yeah, we used to do that at the very beginning, we used to sing like the tiniest little bit. But I don't know, I'm, I really enjoy the sounds I can get out of the saxophone. I, I don't so much enjoy right. the sounds I get out of my voice. <laughs> yeah. I've got to use my mouth. I'll be thinking, I think. Um, but who knows? who knows?
1: Well, that's super cool. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And it's like you've you, you've literally covered every musical genre that that there can be. You you honestly have between everything involved in Nishman Ensemble and then the the White City Shakers as well. You've you've really covered every base, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah
0: we still get requests for playing weddings. Wonderful. Stuff. Kind of. That's kind very, of... That's so that's very cool. For years, but maybe we should do a one-off. Maybe we'll like headline Love Supreme or something and, and just trolled everyone, <laughs> uh, you know, you braces and yeah, racism, corduroy
1: suits. <laughs> and it's got a lot of the same Ishmael Ensemble members. Maybe you guys should just reunite at an Ishmael Ensemble gig and say, look, it's we're all here. <laughs> like, we're yeah, not yeah, playing yeah, Ishmael right. songs, but we're all here. <laughs> I
0: think that comes back to that thing I was saying about the trust and stuff. You know, like we have literally um so much together that you know you kind of for us it's sort of one and the same experience but i don't know so so from where we're coming from we've been making music for you know like near enough 20 years i I was in my first band with jake when i was eight years old and he was 12 like wow (laughs) so that's amazing in this kind of lineage thing all these different projects are sort of a blip on a long, you know, where, uh, when I said, oh, we've only got three or four songs out or whatever, or, you know, people often sort of say, oh, so you guys got together in 2017 or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. no, more like 1997, <laughs> I, think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I it, It's been a long journey. And with that, I think we're at a point now where, yeah, we do trust each other to the point of, you know, we know what each other are capable of on a banjo or a fiddle or a modular synth or a saxophone.
1: <laughs> we, That's incredible. Yeah,
0: we know each other inside out. So there's no, yeah, no no cares really to to keep up any sort of front as who we are as a musician or anything. Yeah.
1: That's incredibly special to, to sort of connect with someone that you can go in so many different directions with, but always know where you where you each are, you know, what you expect from each other, considering the range that you guys have between each other. That's very, very cool. Very special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you kind of forget how unique it is. And I think it comes back from like, you know, we feel blessed that we grew up in this small town with nothing going on because there was only five of us wanting to be in a band or whatever, you know. So
1: mm.
0: I feel like those relationships maybe don't exist so much in a in a big city or a big music college because you're almost overwhelmed by possibilities. Whereas, you no. know, in that, that small town environment, you know, the first band, there was like almost 10, well, it was 20 years between myself and the bass player 10 years between myself and the drummer and there's that real yeah feeling of of community and, and collaboration that crosses sort of genres and and age groups you know that that yeah real real communal communal situation I guess
1: yeah incredible amazing and you guys um well you've you know, you've delivered uh, well, uh, uh, years of stunning releases under uh, the Ishmael Ensemble banner from the remixes, which we talked about, the uh, songs for Naughty and the State of Flow, which is, I mean, it's it's a, it's a masterpiece. It's just one of my favourite things that I've heard in a really long time. So um, well, thank you for that. and Thank you for your time today um, and wish you just thank unlimited you. continued success because it's been incredible.
0: Oh, well, thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, know, we talked about a, a closing song, uh, for, 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 we, we, our guest always picks a closing song, uh, for each of these, these podcast episodes. Uh, may I ask, did you have time to pick something out? It's something from your own catalog, something you're a fan of, something from your, from the album, perhaps.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, if it's not, not too long, I, I yeah, I think song for naughty really, because, um, you can skip the boring sax solo at the beginning, don't worry. <laughs> I absolutely
1: <laughs> that, will not do that. <laughs> that that tune—it will be played what? in its entirety, sir. <laughs> How could you? <laughs>
0: um, well, that, that tune was the start of it all. You know that—that um, that was the first thing I wrote that felt different to the solo stuff I'd been doing, and and it really, yeah, defined. The process for me of, of what we could do and and yeah it, it was a really unifying experience writing it and feeling that this is something we can pursue as a, as a band as opposed to like you know I've done sort of bits of sampling my friends on, on dance music stuff but that really felt mm. like a change in direction which you almost don't know is happening at the time but looking back it was a really special revelation for me of yeah I guess finding my flow in something new and exciting so yeah yeah I'll choose song for naughty
1: wonderful all eight plus minutes of it will now be played <laughs> for uh, everyone's listening pleasure <laughs> yeah. so thank you so much for your time it's uh, it means so much you, the uh I've uh, been able to chat with you and talk about your your processes and stuff like that and just to tell you how much of a fan uh, i am and uh, so many people on our station are as well just uh yeah absolutely love your music so congratulations and all the very very best to you sir thanks
0: so much yeah catch up soon i uh-huh.